Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for preachers, teachers, and all of God's creatures. I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. Hey, we hope you've been enjoying our Easter walk through the Old Testament resonances in the New Testament. It's definitely been a fun adventure for us, and we'd love to know if it's been useful for you as well. So send us a Facebook message or drop us a line on our website. Let us know. But in the meantime, we've got some more preaching and teaching tips for you. For April 25th, 2021, which happens to be my birthday, Ah! on John 10. What do you got here, Rachel? Well, first of all, I got to say happy early birthday to you, and I hope you eat lots of chocolate cake, because if it's not chocolate, there's no point. (laughs) But in honor of your birthday, I'm going to take us completely off track. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to... I'm going to take us further afield from where we normally are, and I'm going to dip into the epistle reading for today, the third reading, if you will. Ah, Rachel going rogue. That's to be expected. Yeah, exactly, right? I know. I'm moving us from plan B to plan C, and soon we'll be plan who knows where. (laughs) But just go with me here for a second, because I think there's something really beautiful that's going on here. Now, for our preacher and teacher folks in bigger cities, you might not know that this time of year is often when churches in small towns or in rural areas celebrate Rogation Sunday. Uh, Tim, have you ever heard of Rogation Sunday? Uh, no, I don't know if I've even heard that word. Does it have something to do with like hair loss and... I know. Rogue, Rogaine <laughs> I know. Sunday? Is that what you said? <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, exactly. That's I always think of Rogaine Sunday whenever we did it. But no, <laughs> Rogation Sunday is a, a Christian tradition that at my parish when I was serving, we called the blessing of the seed, soil, and water service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a, it's a tradition that's been around a while, at least since the early 1900s. And some historians will draw it even further back into like the 5th century. It's typically celebrated on the fifth or sixth Sunday after Easter, and it's basically a Sunday to ask for God's blessing on the creation elements that will be used to grow food in the summer. Ah, so I wasn't so far off with the Rogaine comment, huh? <laughs> it is about growth. It is about growth. It absolutely is. It's kind of like the bookend. A lot of churches will do some sort of harvest Sunday, like even if they're not, you know, really agrarian. But for those folks who are gearing up to start planting, this is a, a really nice tradition. We had we had a little tradition of this at my Five Point Parish. We'd invite folks to bring in bags of seed or, uh, you know, we'd take the kids out into the churchyard at the end of the service and they'd put their hands in the dirt and we'd say a blessing on it. We, we'd even invite folks to bring their tractors to be blessed. And there was always an informal competition to see which color tractor was most present throughout the parish. <laughs> and if you if you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't lived rural yet. Uh, but it was a really beautiful tradition that I looked every look forward to every year. That sounds great. Uh, so okay, let's. Right, so, right. So yes, you've got exactly. First John, Epistle reading, Old Testament resonances yes. in the New Testament. Help us out here. Bringing us back around, bringing it back in. Okay, so a couple of things. One of which stems from the historical context of First John, and a couple of things that actually stem from the text itself. These things center around the questions of creation, community and sin. So first off, it's important to know that the author of 1 John, whoever it was, because we really don't Mm -hmm. know, but they were most likely addressing issues stemming from Gnosticism. And if it's been a while since seminary or you haven't been to seminary yet, Gnosticism is spelled G-N 
O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M. Gnosticism. Gnosticism. <laughs> it's like Jiro, like a hero, Jiro. So Gnosticism was a first century Greek philosophy. And one of its basic tenets or beliefs was the idea that creation was divine mistake. Hmm. And I just want to pause for a second for us all to absorb that. Not that creation was broken or sinful, but that the whole thing was a giant mistake. And that thus the whole goal of human life was to actually escape creation and, and to get to be what God really intended in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, creation bad, spirit good. Although that's that's a pretty dismal view of creation. It's a super dismal view of creation, but it's actually not that far off from what we hear today. We hear things like, I'm just passing through on my way to my heavenly mm. home, and that's kind of a more traditional piety. Or in like a more modern thought, I know that I need to control and deny my body so that my spirit can flourish. It, it's not, not, neither of those is Gnosticism exactly, but you might call them Gnostic adjacent or kind of descendants of Gnostic thought. It, both of those thoughts stem from the idea that there's something inherently wrong or bad or untrustworthy about creation, including our own bodies. Mm-hmm. And I can, I'm already thinking of ways that that's pretty different from what we hear about creation in the Hebrew Bible. Yes, exactly. So that's that's one of the first references that I was pulling out of this. God, when God created the world in Genesis 1, God looked at it and said, Tov. And what does Tov mean, Tim? <laughs> tov is good. It is, exactly. It means good. It means beautiful. It means pleasing. It means good for a purpose or for an intention. God in the Hebrew Bible did not create the world out of divine mistake. It wasn't like God knocked over a flask of juice into a bowl of dough and is like, oh man, now I've really done it. (laughs) God created the world and looked at it and said, yes, exactly what I intended it to be and exactly what I need it to be for what I intend to do. In fact, on the last day of creation, God looked at it and didn't just say tov, but God said tov ma'od. And ma'od is this delightful word meaning something like muchness or like a lot, a lot of good or abundance, Mm -hmm. if you will. So rather than looking at creation, at the earth, at our bodies as something bad that needs to be controlled or escaped, 1 John sounds this tov ma'od bell over and over again through the repetition of the word love throughout the book. Love one another, even when you're tired love one another in this passage in particular, even when your heart trembles with uncertainty, love one another with boldness and faith and abiding hope in that the spirit that abides in us will cause us to love even when we feel like we can't. It's a beautiful message. It's even a radical message against not only first century Gnosticism, but the inheritors of Gnosticism that we still hear today. Hmm. Yeah, but let me let me play devil's advocate here for a second. Sure, go. So um, that's an alternative version of the goodness of creation over against mm. that sort of Gnostic version of the inherent badness of creation. Mm. But I, wouldn't you still say that in the Hebrew Bible, there's a sense that creation is bad or at least corrupt because of sin? Mm. Like it's it's good to say that God. Uh, you know, said tov ma'od when God created the world. But when we look around, 
it's really hard mm-hmm. to say tov ma'od, that everything is as God intended it. Yeah, exactly. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, as we, you know, at the moment of recording this, Derek Chauvin is on trial for George Floyd's death, and another black man was killed at, by police at a traffic stop in Minneapolis yesterday, mm. uh, actually quite close to where I, I used to live in elementary school. Um, and you can even go, you know, further. Factories in rural areas continue to close because of the pandemic and issues with the pandemic. And that drives really hardworking folks deeper into poverty. I mean, the list goes on and on. You're absolutely right. Sin is rampant around us. But this is where the author of First John again reaches deep into the Hebrew scriptures and draws upon a solution that God started in Genesis 12. Mm-hmm. So, Eugene Boring has this really nice commentary called Hearing John's Word. Uh, I'd recommend checking it out because if nothing else, it's a commentary on the Gospel of John, the Book of Revelation, and the three Johannine epistles all in one little volume. So you get a lot of bang for your buck, if you will. Uh, But he also has some really nice preaching insights. And when he's talking about the problem of sin in 1 John, Boring says this on page 132. He says, In the Jewish consciousness shaped by the scripture, and by that he means the Hebrew scriptures, God's initial and fundamental response to the world's sin, which wasn't remedied by the judgment of the flood, was not to promise that a Messiah would come for the world's salvation, but astoundingly to call a people within this world, a covenant community, as the means and guarantee of God's saving purpose. So what Boring says is that in Genesis, in the initial response to the world's sin, is God's initial reaction is not to call out a Messiah, but to call out a people from this world, within this world, as the means by which God will affect the world's salvation. Mm-hmm. And what we see in 1 John is this huge emphasis on community. The text of the three letters together contains, Boring says, 170 instances of verbs or pronouns in the first person plural, we or us or our. And and just to give you a glimpse, that's an average of 13 times per page of the Greek text, which is three or four times the average of other New Testament letters. Boring has this beautiful line, belonging to the church means learning to say we. And what I would add to that is that that process of learning to say we is somehow drawn up into God's idea of how to deal with the world's sin. So the solution to the problem of sin in 1 John, to the to the broken and yet blessed state of our bodies and all of creation, is us, the author says, us and the love that the Spirit guides in us and through us and in spite of us. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, a really beautiful message, not only for churches celebrating Rogation Sunday, but for anybody, because it grounds us in the dirt, quite literally, the dirt of creation and the dirt of life, where we belong as God's creatures to be muddy and broken and blessed and loving, and that that somehow is the cure to the world's sin. Wow. Well, there's a sermon, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I love yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if you're out there and you're thinking about preaching from this text in First John, bring in the Old Testament creation account. Think about yeah. um, the goodness of creation and then the, the story of how God brings redemption to creation as well. Yeah, you might say the goodness of creation and the usness of creation. Yes, yes, which resonates so well with that theme of love in 1 John. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, right. 
Well, awesome. Thanks for giving us somewhere to go on this, Rachel. My pleasure. And uh, for all of you out there, I hope that you're enjoying this series that we've been doing and that you'll continue to follow along. As we said at the beginning, do drop us a line. Let us know what you think of all of this and uh, how you're making use of what we're putting out there for you. While you're there on Facebook giving us all sorts of great comments, give us a like, subscribe. Uh, check us out on the website, firstreadingpodcast.com, where you can also subscribe. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy preaching.